is the day the Lord has made. And you should be happy and you should be shouting for joy of what the Lord has done in your life and He is going to do. We've been preaching the last couple of weeks from a particular verse in the Bible. Amen. We're going to turn to it and we will read that verse again. Amen. If you're watching by television, listening by radio, or the internet, however you're doing it, you're watching the Holy Ghost Fire Church that comes from French Camp, California. Amen. We're a church that believes in God wants to bless you. That's the truth. God wants to bless you. And we've been talking about faith. We have dealt with the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter, and how Jesus said they had no faith. They were questioning the disciple what Jesus was talking about. Not necessarily the disciples, but he was talking about the scribes, the Pharisees. He was talking to a man that had a boy that was a, a leptic. This he had, throw himself into the water, into the fire. And Jesus healed that young man. What did he do? He cast the devil out of that man. Now, that was over 2,000 years ago, and when you think about it, for a moment, just think about it. We live on this side of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and people need to know the Word of God. Today, I'm going to bring something that's going to a lot of people. I trust that everybody has a good Bible, and they have the right Bible. Amen. I said they have a good Bible. They have the right Bible. Amen. And this church, if you're going to attend it, you realize that we preach from the King James Bible. Amen. A lot of people said they can't understand it. Hey, I got uh, some liberal Bibles. I have bought them. I read them. Okay for commentaries. But they do leave out a lot. So this morning, if you have the right Bible, you won't have no trouble finding it. Amen. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Amen. Chapter 16 and verse 13. Amen. 13. We're going to take that. Somebody said, well, you preached that last couple of weeks. Well, I, I do. I did preach it. And I want to tell you, the Bible says, hello, hello, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Now, we live by faith, and people have substituted the word faith by saying, I believe this, I believe that, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do this, I'm overcoming. I have talked to people that are in the church, I have left, and they say, oh, I'm living above everything. I'm overcoming. And I listen, look at them, and listen to them, look at them. They're being evicted out of a house. They lost their car. My friend, James said, faith without works is dead. So we look here, it says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. He's not talking about the faith to cast a demon out. 
He is not talking about the faith to heal the leopard. He is not talking about the faith that a lot of people say, well, I'm going to confess me and get me a new car. He's not talking about faith for your finances. He's talking about a faith that is so strong. Listen. He also uses the term like it is a military term. Paul said, we are the army of God. So when I looked at it, faith. Then you have the next word, quite. That means be strong. Uh-huh. You, like men, be strong. Now, somebody might look at that and they said, I've heard that before. I don't have faith. Oh, yeah, the Bible said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, God has given to every man the measure of faith. So for you to stand and say you don't have faith, have you been saved, born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, with the evidence of talking in tongues, you have faith. I said you have faith. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need to seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it is a free free gift and God wants you to have it. Well, you, what do you mean free? No, it's free for me. Jesus died on the cross so I could have it. So I looked at it and I thought, well, what am I going to do? You ever think that? Come on now. You don't look at me that way. Ah-ha-ha. Everybody said, now I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me just for a few moments to uh, the verses. I know we're First Peter. We're going to be going to the book of Thessalonians. And then we're going to go to the book of First Timothy. And then you're going to roll over and First Timothy, clear to verse 6 in Timothy. Somebody said, are you having trouble? No. i got to give some of you time to get the pages unstuck from your Bible. Amen. Hello. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, I want you to notice in First Timothy chapter 6, and I want you to notice what it says here, chapter 6, verse 11. Thou, O love, patience. The thing that struck me, that is a very, very high statement to be made by the Apostle Paul. He's talking to a young man well, I call him a young man. Some people call him older. Some people said, according to the records and everything, he's right between 35 and 40. I wouldn't know. Amen. I didn't live back then. Some people just know everything. You ever been there? No matter what you say, they come up. I'm bigger. And so you just stand there. Old man of God. He has called Timothy 
man of God. That's very that's a highly statement. That Paul can look at you and say, uh, if you sit Paul was here at this church this morning, and he said, Oh you men of faith. Well, first time you ever heard that is they call Moses the man of faith. Amen. The man of faith. They call, believe it or not, Eli, the high priest of the time. They call him a man of God. Amen. And then Samuel was called a man of God. So when you look at those things and you start to do, what are you trying to say, preacher? Very simple. You have sort of went against this doctrine, that doctrine, what they believe. No, I believe in faith. Amen. I believe in the faith that we can have that is of God. It has been given to every man a measure of faith. And he's talking here about what does you follow? What does Timothy follow? He follows love, patience, and meekness. Now, this is the verse that I really want to discuss with you for a few moments. Verse 10, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. Has profession, a good profession before many ways. Do you understand fully what's being said here? We, as a church this day, I said as a church this day in America, some churches are being persecuted in this day, country. But if you look at, why would he give such a charge to Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. When you stop and you're looking at this, what he's dealing with is the faith of what you believe. Hello? Most people I talk to that say they are Christians don't know why they're really Christians. You talk to them and they will say, well, the preacher said, come down and say a few words and you're safe. It doesn't work that way. I was sitting on the back row of a little church. Amen. I was lost. I was on the way to hell. And I didn't even know it. Because a lot of people don't want to offend you people. And you're watching and sometimes you just have to offend people because they're going down the wrong way. And so as I looked at it and I was thinking, fight a good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life, I have to lay on it. Now listen, the gift of God of salvation is free and clear. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Come on now. Amen? Amen? 
And by him paying the price on the cross and God raised him from the dead, I know my sins had been forgiven. It wasn't a thing I could do to save myself. And it was nothing you could do to save yourself. Nothing you watching by the internet, television, radio, or listening. There was nothing you could do. We accept Jesus Christ because God, one, convicts us. You know what conviction is? You hear the word being preached, and it comes to you. Now, the men that I met, they had to fight to preach the gospel. In this country, there are people that literally hate the church of Jesus Christ, and that is a fact, and you need to realize it. Rome hated the church so bad, Nero and them, that they had a rosy coming of crosses. And all those crosses was Christians dying. They would hold a party at night and dip the Christian in oil and set him on fire. That's enough to make everybody run away. A lot of people did. And people say, well, that's not a good... Oh, yes, it is. It is a faith. It is a deal that we have to deal with. And when Paul uses the term, he puts it like the Olympics at the time. But my friend, people are dying today in 2024 in different countries for the faith. If you live in a Muslim country and you're a Christian, they're going to kill you. That's the fact. Some places in Africa where they're in charge they're cutting Christian, young Christians, cutting their arms off. And they call themselves, now we had a president. They said it was a religion of love. It's a religion of hate. God and the church is not a religion, but we have made it a religion, and we think of it as a religion. The state, the country, they think of it as foolishness. I said, foolishness. We're going to have to contend for the faith. And you can't contend for the faith unless you know what the faith is. The faith is Jesus died on a cross, rose again. And somebody said, well, where do you get that from? Well, look at the book of Jude. And I want you to look, being there's only one chapter in Jude, Amen. And I want you to look at verse 3. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common faith. Now, you hear that? The common faith. That not. I've watched, well, I'm trying to think how to be polite. In the Christian circles, they have people that believe everything. They have things they think meditation, like the uh, different countries. You know, you sit and you see them. And television is wrapped up with it, even the Internet, even the public access station. Mm-hmm. Worshiping the devil. They don't realize they're worshiping the devil. Meditation, it comes from India. Where did bring it into this country? 
Remember a group called the Beatles? They went to where? Yeah, you know, India. And they got a groove. That guy with a long beard and a robe and everything, you know. That was a thing. They believed that. But there are Christians in India, too. And they're paying the price for being a Christian. The trouble are we paying a price. It is a common faith. When I meet somebody, I say, do you know Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? And they look at me, and they say, well, I hope I, I make it to heaven. My friend, if you're hoping to get to heaven, there's an altar right here in front of this church pulpit. You can come kneel here, and if God has convicted you, I mean, you will walk down the aisle you want, and if you're not saved, it won't have, do any good for me to say, follow after me and say a few words in your safe. I can't make that statement. I contend for the faith. I talk about the faith. But we have to deal for it. The Bible said right here it is, and as we look at it, it's a common salvation. Common salvation, that means you got to, there is a God, there is the Son of God, there is what Jesus did, there is miracles that Jesus performed, they all operated because Jesus said, it is not I to do it, but it is the Father that lives within me. He does the work. When I look at this here, and I'm looking at earnestly, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. When Paul is preaching to the Galatian church, when he's preaching to the Thessalonian church, he is dealing with things. The Thessalonian church, the Titus, they're all having fight. Christians fight for the common faith that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He's the Son of God, born of a virgin. I had a young man came in here. I said, you know, uh, Jesus was born of a virgin. He said, that can't be dope. That can't be dope. Yes, it is. God can do anything He wants to be yet. So we have to contend for that faith. It's wonderful to stand up and talk about if you've got faith, you can have a new car. But that's not so. When we have a lot of churches in this country that are close today, mostly after a so-called plague, in this state, it won't be, what, 20 million going to die? Well, it didn't happen. And let the churches empty. The devil is working. He's not your friend. The devil is your enemy. And so as I look at here and begin to contend for that faith, how do you contend for your faith? Well, if you, uh, Peter, he died for the faith. 
as the rumor goes, what they say of history, he was crucified upside down. But he wouldn't deny Jesus. There was one time where Jesus talked to Peter and he told, before the rooster crow three times, you will deny me. Peter said, never, 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 never. But listen, my friend. <clears throat> Once Jesus died and came up out of the grave and they saw him, their whole attitude changed. People today had never seen that. People today never had the experience that Paul had. That Jesus talked to him personally and there was a bright light. And Jesus even came at times when he's in trouble and told him, don't worry, Paul, we got much people in this town. Paul preached a gospel of Jesus Christ. The Jewish people didn't like it. After a while, the Roman soldiers, Greek Legion, didn't like it. Amen. Other countries didn't like it. But you have to fight. Pentecost. In the 20s and back there, they had tomatoes thrown at the churches. They were harassed. And people that believed. And churches were born, burned, born, burned, born, and burned. And you know what? They got born again. More people got born again. More people got walking in the Word of God. And they did. When I thought about fighting for the faith, I thought about in the 60s. I thought about the boxing. How many can remember Cassius Clay? Uh-huh. He said, I fly like a butterfly and sting like a bee. He changed his name because he took to be a Muslim. And that what he pushed everything. At one time he did believe in the Bible. But you can back you have to contend. And I watched him, boy, I tell you. I like to watch him. They fight. It seemed like he never was being touched when people did because he could move gracefully and wouldn't look. But he was being hit more than ever. Who knows George Foreman today? You saw, or you know him for the George Foreman grill? Is that what you know him for? I'll tell you what. He had an encounter with Jesus too. It changed his life. He contends. What is he today? He's a pastor of a church in Texas. Amen. But he contends. He said, you have to fight. Now, why did you bring these up? George Foreman only could go three rounds at the time. And Cassius Clay watched this. And the sermon became in Africa was rope the dope. He cashes laid on the rope and let George Foreman do his thing. And after three, he ran out of energy. He couldn't do anything. He didn't know Jesus Christ at all. But he lost. But Cassius Clay claimed his victory crown back again, world champion of the world. And people knew his name. But have you ever thought about 
the end results of Muhammad Ali. I worked at a university for a long time. Ralph White lived there as doctor. Drove a big white Cadillac. Had Cassius Clay coming in and deal. And I was watching because I was there and I watched this white, beautiful Cadillac drive in. Then I saw the door open. Cassius Clay got out of that car and couldn't hardly walk. He had his head beat so much it didn't look like it, that it affected him. And I thought, that man needs Jesus. And then you had another fighter called Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson fought, 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 fought. But this is the thing. If you look at Mike Tyson today, tattoos on his face. Went away. He also at one time, when he was young, he had a Christian manager. Took him in as a boy. Talked to him about Jesus. Showed him how to do things. And then all of a sudden, he didn't need Jesus no more. He changed his religion. Guess what? Today is not doing much. Somebody said, what are you talking about? You're not talking about very much. Contend for the faith is a common faith. Jesus died for me. Then I talked a lot more about Jesus than anything else. I talked still today that I have had to contend for the faith that I have, even in this place. A lot of companies, if they know you're a Christian, they'll let you go. Mostly when this epidemic came in, it's supposed to, if you went to work in your Christian faith, they was being far and right. So if you contend for the faith, you have to live for the faith. I quoted the verse to start out with. Timothy has to put up a fight for what he's doing. Second Timothy, Paul said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Come on. Come on. Are you planning on dropping out of church tomorrow? Do I, as I said, there all across this country there are empty churches because nobody will attend like a boxer for the faith. Now, it's a common faith. It's not a, a faith where you mix things and call it Christianity. It's not. You believe that Jesus died on the cross. Paul pinned down most of the New Testament a lot of people don't like what Paul said. They don't think it should be in the Bible. But you contend for it. So when I look at this book, I take it and I look at it and I think, this is my manual for life. A lot of people, if you're not a saved employer, 
will treat your Christian employer not exactly with respect. That's a sad thing to say. A young man was poor as a boy. And as a boy, he didn't have any clothes good. He had holes in his pants. He stood on the outside of a little country church. He heard the gospel being preached about how Jesus came, died on a cross, and was buried and rose again, went to heaven and come back. And he wants you to be able to be prosperous. He wants you to live a good life. So the young man, as a boy about 12 years old, he grew up and finally got up to me, say, 16, 17. Then he decided, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to go to a Bible college. Well, when he got to Bible college, they didn't really know if they wanted him that much because of the simple reason. He dressed like a poor boy. He was a poor boy. But what changed this young man's life was that he met Jesus standing on the outside of a little church and they wouldn't let him in because he was poor, dirty, living on the streets. He wasn't in no uh, adoption or anything. He was just struggling there, here, and there. Seymour, a colored man in Texas, he heard the preaching of the gospel from having to stand outside because he couldn't go into the church because he was black. Churches like that need to be closed down. There are a lot of churches closed down, but that's not the reason. A lot of people are closed down because they have swayed from the faith and their denominations. John Wesley would turn over in his grave. The one that's influenced so many churches would turn over in their faith because their faith, they not contended for the faith of Jesus Christ. They have went down the liberal road. Remember, Jesus had broad as a way that leadeth to destruction, and narrow is a way that leadeth to eternal life. It's that fat. It is that strong. So it is a common faith. Seymour came to California, had prayer meetings and everything, the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You look at that, and so somebody said, well, yeah, yeah. Well, contend. How are you contending? Are you willing to fight for it? We need to fight for it. We can go to Romans, uh, uh, no, Ephesians. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That baptism is what we need to know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, we're all baptized with one spirit. And that baptism is spiritually. When the Lord saved my soul, the Holy Ghost took me 
and baptized me into Jesus. And therefore, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, Paul said, we are to put on Jesus. We are to be conformed until we come to the image of Jesus in our life. That's very important. And you can't get there unless you contend for it. That means you have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to go to church. You have to do everything. God watches. Remember, the Bible said everybody, and Jesus said that the poor man, all the things, and they're going to be judged out of the book. Two books. They're going to be judged out of two books. One, their works, and the other one, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the ones that have not accepted Jesus Christ, and they don't know what they're doing, they don't know how they do it, and they say, well, you know, the reason they don't know how to do it is they don't want to. And I'm so glad the church people know how to do it. They know how to walk with Jesus. They know how to function because they have a personal experience with Him. Now, when you stop there in verse 5, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and then it says, and one God and Father of all. All. So if you're a Christian, He's your Father. If you're not a saved, he's not your father. Then who would I be? Spiritually, Jesus answered that question very well. The Pharisee said, you are of your father the devil. Now, somebody said, I don't believe that. Well, that was me. Before the Lord saved my soul, my father spiritually was the devil. Adam sold us all out. But it didn't disturb God go away. You had to contend for the faith. So the young man made it through Bible college. He got a preaching engagement. But he had to get a suit and he had to do it right. So he went to the Salvation Army. He bought a suit for 50 cents. When I started preaching, I went to Veteran Outlet. I got a suit for $2. He got all decked up, so he got to the church. Walked up on the door and the, had a butler or chauffeur, whatever you want to call him. Looked at him, he said, you boy, you can't go in here. You're not dressed right. He said, you don't understand, I've been invited to preach here. Well, in that case, you've got to go around to the back door. Uh, we don't want to see you walking in down the aisle and everybody can see you. So he went all the way back around the church into the back door where it was. It was open. He was brought in. He walked down the aisle, a hallway, looking around. Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. And the guy looked at him, sort of scornful, and said, yeah, these are the great men of the church. So he gets into the pastor office, and the pastor told him, this is what you do. You're going to speak to the people for ten minutes and tell them what he's going to preach, how he's going to preach, and why he's going to preach. 
And when I looked at that story, I thought about, well, that's hard to believe. Well, I went and preached at a, a church, a Methodist church at the time. Uh, I was invited, and I went there and uh, preached that, and I took I was tucked back to the pastor office. And you know what he told me? We don't want no long, fancy prayers. We don't want a long sermon. You only give this here's kind of sermon. And I thought, what? He's telling how to preach. Well, I did preach at church. I never got invited back again, but <laughs> because I preached longer than 15 minutes. Amen. Somebody said, yo, long-winded. No. Well, this young man got up and walked out on the stage and looked around and the church filled with people. You could see them all over. And he looked at him. He said, I'm just a, a poor boy. The only thing I can tell you tonight and preach, but I only have 15 minutes. Only, what I, the, that pastor back there said, I only have 15 minutes. He said again. He said, but I only know one thing. I know Jesus Christ, Him. Him dying on the cross. Him being buried. And on the third day, He rose from the dead. And because of that today, I stand here because He saved me. The reason I stand here today is because He called me and chose me. So He gave an all call. And people started coming down from the front. Together, he looked and said, Lord, he said, they must misunderstand what I'm saying. And then he turned around and gave another I'll call because he'd give them a better chance. And they kept coming. And the third time, I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, resurrected, and he's coming back again for the church. And he said the balcony started to move and people started to come in down. Most of that church, all you might well say all of it, wasn't saved. There are a lot of churches that become fancy clubs, but they're not Christian churches. They're man-made churches. And as he was there praying for them, he felt a tug on his pants leg and he thought, well, here the preacher is going to really get on me. You know what I mean? And he turned around, and it was the pastor tugging on his pants. And he said, oh, me. And the pastor asked, how can I be saved? A lot of people take being a preacher and go to college and seminary everything because they go at it as a profession. Flee money. Paul told Timothy. Those things we don't preach for. But then that preacher got saved. And the young man was holding revival. And he got a tent. He put that tent up and preaching around it was full. 3,000 people under a tent. 3,000 people under a tent. And when the service was over that night, an old lady... An old man approached him and said, we'd like you to come and hold 
a revival at our church. He looked at them. They wasn't dressed fast. They sort of real, you know, poor people. Church started out. People being saved, they were poor people. Most of them were slaves owned by the Roman government and different people. Slaves, even in Israel, slaves. But they took the message that Paul preached. They took the message that Peter preached. And they received it in their heart. And they started preaching. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Stephen was stoned to death. And Paul, at that time, called Saul. He looked at it. He consented killing. So he looked at the man. He looked at his wife. He said, I'm sorry I can't come to your church. Please come. No, I can't come. Then the man held that night, second night revival, and they was there, and he would see him sitting there. He went home that night and had a dream. Some people call it open vision. And he had a talk with the Lord that night. And having a talk with the Lord that night, the young man said, I can't go down that little place. Look, look, at, the, look at this church. Look at this tent. It's packed. And the Lord said this, if you don't go down the whole meeting there, you will never see your tent ever filled again. A lot of people would say, well, he had a dream. Now, as a Baptist preacher one time, if you had dreams like that, you they'd say you had you ate too many onions that night before. And that's why you had a dream. But he looked at it and he thought about it and he said, Well, yes. Got up that night at a revival and said, I am uh, look for the old lady and that wasn't there. But then he remembered they gave him a piece of paper and so he stuck it in his suit jacket. He pulled out. All it had, because they didn't have telephones then, where the town was and where, and this is what it said, and if you come on this date, we'll meet you at the train station. So he went and got off, and he said, well, I don't see nothing. And he said, there they came in a buggy. Well, back a wagon, tell you the truth. They said, we're so glad to see you. And got in there. No more show you the church you're going to be preaching at now. Drove 15 miles out in the country to a chicken coop. Chicken coop. And I thought about that. A chicken coop. You know how many know Catherine Coleman? She started out in a chicken coop. 
Then he drove another five, six miles to where they lived. And he said, how in the world am I going to, I'm not going to go preach in a chicken coop. That's what they did. They got a chicken coop. They cleaned it out. And that's their church. So he said, I'm going to tell them I got, I'm going to go back and leave. But he said, as I was staying that night, I went in the, it was hot in the summer. He said, I went in. You see, he's contending for his faith. No, he's contending for But then he remembered, so they, and they had a feather bed, and he went again, and he folded it around, it was hot and everything that night, and he asked, where was the bathroom, because up there on the hill, on, you know, on the little house with a half moon and everything. He said, I'm going to have to tell them in the morning. He said he was laying there in that bed hot, and he hurt the old man and hurt the old lady. And they were thanking God. God, I thank you that you sent this young man here to hold a revival in this church. We know you're going to bless it. They said, I got so convicted, I went out, kneeled down, praying for him. And we got done. I set up. I looked at him. I said, what time do we start service? Tonight. So he went to the chicken coop. They cleaned it up pretty well. And he preached that night. The only ones there that night was three or four people. Nothing happened. He went back and prayed that night and came back. There were ten people there. And he kept talking and talking and preaching and preaching. And then finally he looked... It wasn't 10 people. There were 80 people there. They all couldn't get in the chicken coop. And he preached some more. And then the place was packed and people were standing on the outside all around to hear this young man preach. The only thing I know that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose the third day, that's always in all his sermons. And I, Lord, save my soul. The young man never did go back preaching on the road. He grew one of the biggest churches, if you rather put it correctly. God grew one of the biggest churches in that area. For that time and season, if you had a church of a thousand... You were a super church. And he never did leave that church until the Lord called him home. He had to learn to contend for the faith. He realized that was only one time delivered unto the saints. Today, you have to be born again. 
and their religions, I said, don't really contend. The water baptism tank is not where the blood is applied. <laughs> you better get the blood applied before you ever get water baptized. That is where you enter in a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, saying you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He went down in the water, and when he came up, he came up, the Bible put it this way, a new Christian. But in writings and stuff, you have to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. My friend, if you're watching by the Internet, have you contended for the faith are you saving no matter what? Are you willing to do what Peter did? He died. Thomas went to India. He was beaten. Dr. Luke went to Greek, and he was killed. All of them, the only one on record that lived was John the Beloved. But they all contended. And when they came down, as they say, the old, when the rubber meets the road, Peter did never deny Jesus anymore. The only reason Paul wouldn't put on a cross is because he was a Roman citizen. That I have kept the faith, I have fought a good battle. His reward he looked for that I might it be akin unto the resurrection like Jesus. They chopped his head off. Before he left, he converted a lot of the Roman soldiers to the Lord Jesus Christ on account he was in the pokey. He didn't ever stop preaching Jesus. I trust this morning that you will contend, and if you can't contend, you need to contend at the altars, find a place at home, wherever, and pray that God will save your soul and give you the strength to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Let us bow our heads. Father, we ask you to watch over this morning.